Welcome to Exploring Bible Prophecy with our teacher, Steve Butler. We are in a series right now exploring the important prophecy terms found in God's Word. You can follow along with our free study guide that you can download from our website. Simply visit whcbradio.org. That's whcbradio.org. Click on the program name, Exploring Bible Prophecy, and there you will find our free study guide. So open your Bibles, download your study guides, and prepare to explore Bible prophecy. Hello, and welcome once again to Exploring Bible Prophecy. We are currently in our series entitled Key Prophetic or Important Prophetic Terms in the Bible, and we are exploring seven sets of those terms. And in today's program, we will continue exploring the contrast between the second set of terms, that being the day of Christ, and contrasting that with the day of the Lord. And I emphasize the word contrast, and as we are just about ready to finish up point number two, and that being uh, going through the last few scriptures dealing with the day of the Lord, that if you've been following along with us for a while, particularly in point number two, it should be clear from the scriptures that there is a contrast, not a comparison, between the day of Christ and the day of the Lord, that you um, prayerfully have seen from the Scriptures the day of Christ is clearly a description of the rapture of the church, and it's a very positive, a very very, uh, God-glorifying time. It's a time that we are told as Christians to eagerly await because we are going to uh, be taken off of this earth before God turns his attention to Israel during what is called the seven-year tribulation that was prophesied all through the scriptures. And we are going to stand before our husband, Jesus Christ, we being the bride, he being the bridegroom, promised to us who have faith in him through his death, burial, and resurrection. And he will judge us for our works on the earth after we became Christians. In other words, for our sanctification no regard uh, or any attention paid to sin. Why? Because all of that was done away with on the cross. So there is no reference to sin. And we talked about that in Hebrews chapter 9, verse 28, a, a, a wonderful passage describing the Bema seat judgment of the church. So that's the day of Christ. And then the day of the Lord is a period of time that, according to the Scriptures, starts at the midpoint of tribulation, uh, has a, uh, I call it a high point, it's a point of emphasis, maybe, is a better way to say it, with the second coming of Christ. And the reason I say, uh, I was using the word high point, he is going to come and judge the world. Every person who was alive on the earth at that time, at the end of the tribulation, that seven-year period of time will be judged face to face by Jesus Christ. That's the Jews and the Gentiles that are on the earth. And it's going to be a day of doom and gloom and darkness. And uh, prayerfully, you've seen that as we've gone through the Old Testament scriptures, uh, the many scriptures that we have there on our worksheet. That is the uh, announcer said, you can download from this radio station. And I prayerfully ask that you do because there are so many scriptures that it, um, I think um, for the casual uh, listener, perhaps not the serious listener, 
And I pray at some point all of you that are listening would um, make it a, a focus of your life, your, your, your Bible study life, to become a, a serious student of Bible prophecy because we know from the Scriptures, and we've been over those Scriptures uh, any number of times in this uh, teaching ministry, what pleases God is growing in our knowledge of who He is. So that's really what this whole purpose of this ministry is about, is growing in our knowledge. So whereas uh, you might say, well, just tell me in 50 words or less, what's the difference between the day of Christ and the day of the Lord? I could do that, but it would have really no material impact on your spiritual growth. And I pray that you see it that way, that the reason we have so many scriptures here is just a desire on my heart to show you, to show you how you can study the scriptures for yourself, and you can convince yourself through the leading of the Holy Spirit, what is truth? Truth can be discerned through Bible study. I do not believe that a really good understanding of truth can be discerned simply by listening to somebody tell you what they think so-and-so is, what they think the day of Christ is, or what they think the day of the Lord is. I really believe the only way to do this that glorifies and pleases and honors God is to get into his word and let him tell you through his Holy Spirit what he's trying to get across. So that's what we have um, been doing in this ministry, and now we're in these prophetic terms as we prepare to do an overview of the um, yet-to-occur prophecies in the Bible that take us all the way to... um, eternity at the end of the book of Revelation. So we are finishing up here in point number two with the day of the Lord, and we are in our uh, New Testament passages, of which there are a few, because it is about Israel. The, um, the day of the Lord is about Israel. Yes, there are Gentiles on the earth. They are caught up in this. They will be judged through this, but it is principally for and about Israel, and the Old Testament makes that very clear. And we've been over a number of those Old Testament scriptures to prove that point. So here we are in the New Testament, and we've been spending the last few programs talking about the Thessalonians. So therefore, that would take us to the the first and second books of Thessalonians. And of course, we've said over uh, several times, several programs, the purpose of Paul writing to the Thessalonians was to allay their concerns that they had missed the rapture of the church. Well, how did this church in Thessalonica, all the way up in northeast Greece, know about this? Well, Paul had taught them. He had taught them in detail. In fact, he had said, you know full well, or I have taught you these things, so you ha- I have no need of repeating them to you. So Paul has emphasized to us, the reader, as he explains this to the Thessalonians in his two letters, I have made this point clear to you. Now I want to reemphasize no, you have not missed the rapture. Let me describe what the circumstances are that lead up to, um, that come after the rapture. So what you're experiencing that you're calling the tribulation is really just uh, persecution from the Roman government, persecution from the Roman government, but it is not the persecution that is going to take place during the tribulation because that will be many, many magnitudes worse than anything that had come before the tribulation. So we went to 1 Thessalonians, the first letter that he wrote, and we went to 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, 
And I, I just feel that this is probably a good time to go through those first 11 verses again, because Paul does a good job of explaining the difference between the day of the Lord and what the church is going to experience. The a difference between the day of the Lord and what the church is going to experience. And he says in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse, uh, verse 1, Now as to the times and epochs, brethren, you have no need of anything to be written to you. And again, a comment, there he is telling them again, I've taught you these things. I've told you what's going to happen, what the prophetic future is going to look like, when it's going to happen in sequence, and where you're involved, believers, and where you're not involved. And uh, so he makes that emphasis again in verse 1. Verse 2, for you, speaking to the church, you yourselves know full well, again, because I've taught you, (laughs) that the day of the Lord will come just like a thief in the night. And we went to John chapter 10. We went to uh, Matthew 24, verse 43, to show you that these are negative terms. This is applying to the Jews that are in the tribulation that... um, it's going to, uh, and, and it's the unbelieving Jews, particularly the unbelieving Jews and the Gentiles, they will be caught by surprise when Christ comes back, that it'll be like a thief in the night. Um, and if you want to see that in detail, uh, emphasize, that would be Matthew 24, verse 43, where you talk about the thief coming in the night and how the owner of the house would would secure his house so that the thief could not enter. Well, that's not a positive term. That's not a description that would apply to the church. So they say it would come like a thief in the night. Then verse 3, while they, these unbelievers, are saying peace and safety, then destruction will come upon them suddenly like labor pains upon a woman with child, and they will not escape. And again, we went back through Scripture. We went back to um, Daniel chapter 9 verse 27. We went to Isaiah chapter 28, verses 14 to 18, to make the point that this is talking about unbelieving Israel during the tribulation, the first half. Daniel 9 tells us that they are living um, under a peace treaty brokered with the Antichrist. Uh, They have been convinced, the unbelieving Israelites have been convinced that the Antichrist is indeed their promised Messiah, and that they are living arrogantly, if you will, and saying as they look around them, the world is in turmoil during the first half. Remember we learned from um, Revelation 6 and Revelation um, 9 that half the world dies during the first half, but Israel is protected under this peace treaty from Daniel chapter 9, verse 27, and they're saying peace and safety. And then Isaiah 28, talking about that peace treaty, uh, they're saying arrogantly, we are not going to be overcome with this desolation that's being uh, wrought across the rest of the earth, and that uh, we'll never be affected by that. So we're living in peace and safety. And then it says right there in uh, 1 Thessalonians 5, verse 3, it says, because they're saying that, then destruction will come upon them suddenly like birth pangs or labor pains upon a woman. And to go into detail uh, describing that, we went to Matthew 24, and uh, basically it was verse 8, and everything above that in Matthew 24 describing the wars and rumors and wars and so forth 
This was describing Israel, unbelieving Israel in the first half of the tribulation, seeing and hearing all these things, and then Christ telling them there on the Mount of Olives, it's what this is all about, the Olivet Discourse, saying that these are just birth pangs for you, Israel. You're watching this, but at one point, at that midpoint, when the, when the Antichrist removes the protection of that treaty, which we learn in Daniel 9, verse 27, at the midpoint of the tribulation, he's going to remove the protection of that treaty, and he's going to go after to destroy Israel. And those birth pangs will come upon them, and they will not escape. So verse 4, but you, brethren, referring back to the church, you, brethren, are not in darkness. And again, the, the, the distinction between day and night, light and dark, uh, is the distinction between the righteous and the unrighteous. The, the people of the day, he's obviously referring to as the church here, and those that are in darkness are unbelieving Israel as they go into and through the tribulation. Again, verse 4, but you, brethren, are not in darkness that the day. What is the day? Back up to verse 2, the day of the Lord. You are not in darkness that the day of the Lord would overtake you like a thief. And I want to clarify a point here because when Christ comes back at the second coming, he will come back like a thief in the night. That's described in Matthew 24. Remember that the day of the Lord is not a specific single day like the day of Christ is. The day of Christ is a day, a moment in time when the rapture of the church takes place. The day of the Lord, according to the scripture, starts at the midpoint of the tribulation, the midpoint of that seven-year terrible time, and goes forward all the way through the millennial kingdom to the great white throne judgment. So if you want to add it up, it's a thousand, three and a half years. And so he's talking about uh, when they're, they're saying peace and safety in verse 3 and then destruction comes on them, that's talking about what happens starting at the midpoint. But it kind of culminates, if you will, uh, the, the, the pain and suffering, if you will, culminates with the judgments when Christ comes back like a thief in the night. So that three and a half years uh, is part of this day of the Lord. So hopefully you understand that. And um, if that needs more clarification, I'd be glad to do that. Just let me know. Just let me know at steve at whcbradio.org, and I'd be glad to spend some more time on that. Verse 5, but you, again the church, you are all sons of light and sons of day. We are not of the night nor of darkness. So the church is not part of that unbelieving group here specifically being referred to the unbelieving Israelites, but basically all the unbelievers during the tribulation. We are not part of that. We are completely separated. We are actually in heaven. As a matter of fact, that'll be explained down in verse 9. It says, um, verse 6, So then, let us not sleep as others do. And sleep here means be lazy. We are about the Lord's work. We are about studying everything, everything we can about the Lord. We are not sleeping. We are not lazy as others are, but let us be alert and sober. And here sober means clear-minded, clear-minded. Verse 7, for those who sleep do their sleeping at night. And sleeping here is a negative term. Those that are lazy are doing it because they're in the night. They are not of God. 
and those who get drunk get drunk at night. So we're talking about negative aspects here, drunkenness being an excess of anything, uh, not just necessarily alcohol, but those who get drunk get drunk at night because they are of the night. Verse 8, but since we, back to referring to the church, are of the day, let us be sober. And a sober, again, means clear-minded, having put on the breastplate of faith and love and as a helmet the hope of salvation. For God has not destined us for wrath, but for obtaining salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ, who died for us so that whether we are awake or asleep, we will live together with him. And that reference in verse 10 of awake or asleep is talking about at the moment of the um, rapture of the church, those who are asleep, in other words, they have died waiting to be resurrected. They will be resurrected. Those who are awake, literally physically awake at the time of the rapture, they will be translated So he's talking about those who were living at the time of the rapture and those who have died in Christ at the time of the rapture. We will all live together with him. We'll all be raptured at one time. What a wonderful passage verse 10 is. And then to wrap that up, that thought up in verse 11, therefore, encourage one another and build up one another just as you also are doing. So that wonderful admonition there, Everything that's been listed above there in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 from verse 1 to verse 10 relative to the church is encouraging. It's very positive. And we should therefore take that information and encourage one another with it because we are not of the darkness. We are not of Satan, if you will, like those the others are. So Paul is encouraging the Thessalonians by making the very clear distinction here that you, church, you, brethren, are not going to be involved in the day of the Lord. So I just wanted to make that point very clear. And again, if it needs more explanation, please let me know. And then we're going to, uh, in our next teaching portion, we're going to go to the other New Testament passages there in our worksheet. And again, we're staying in Thessalonians. And we're going to be talking about the day of the Lord, but we're also (laughs) going to be talking about the day of Christ uh, in a sense that I want to show you a, um, a point of information. Let me put it that way, a point of information, a point of learning, a point of instruction about um, the difference in versions of the Bible, because Uh, I want to show you where discerning the difference, because you have taken the time to study the scriptures, the Old and the New Testament, and you have the knowledge through the leading of the Holy Spirit to discern the difference between the, um, the aspects of the day of Christ versus the aspects of the day of the Lord, because I'm going to show you something that might surprise you uh, if you are particularly dedicated to one version of the Bible or another. And we'll show you that in 2 Thessalonians uh, in our next program. But we want to transition now, as we always do, to our question and answer time. And we have been taking a question that's um, basically, uh, the question is, does the fact that Israel is the wife of God, and I love that emphasis because that's a fact in the Bible, 
does the fact that Israel is the wife of God have any impact on end-time prophecy? And yes, yes, it does. And we have been going through this for several programs now. And what I have been trying to do in the first part of answering this question is, one, to establish, yes, the fact that Israel is the wife of God. And we went to Exodus 19 to show you the wedding ceremony there at the foot of Mount Sinai. Then we went to some other Old Testament passages to show you where God uh, in the Scripture uh, refers to himself as the husband of Israel, and then transition to wanting to clarify a point to make sure we understand that there is a lot of teaching, um, unfortunately, out there, and I actually go as far as to call it a false gospel, that teaches that the church, you and I, uh, have been at the center of God's plans in the Bible since the beginning of the Bible, since Genesis. And of course, the Bible very clearly teaches that the whole concept, um, much less the understanding of the term church, was not understood in the Old Testament at all, that it was a mystery that was revealed in the New Testament by the Apostle Paul, so that we, we need to understand that God's plans are principally dealing, his plans as laid out in the Bible from Genesis to Revelation, principally deal with Israel before the creation of the church, and then once the church is raptured out, it goes back to paying attention to Israel again. So again, said another way, everything before Pentecost, everything before Pentecost is about Israel, and everything after the rapture is about Israel. So between Pentecost and the rapture, which has been approximately 2,000 years, the focus has been on the church because Israel has had, uh, God has basically um, descriptively turned his back on Israel for a period of time because they uh, denied his son when he sent him to them. Um, so therefore, he has put his promises his covenant promises to Israel on hold. Uh, they've temporarily on hold and have tur- has turned his attention to the church. Anyone who believes that Jesus Christ died for them on the cross was their sacrifice and that he, that, that he died and was resurrected and he is the Son of God. If you believe that, then you are part of the church. Israel doesn't believe that. Not yet. They will, but not until the end of the tribulation. So as long as the church is on the earth, um, we have the gospel of grace, which we'll talk about in our next set of terms to differentiate that. But before the church was created at Pentecost and after the church is taken out, that's all about Israel and its relationship with her husband, God the Father. And we made that point, and we actually showed it in the book of Acts chapter 15, Uh, Acts chapter 15, and we were reading verses 13 to 18, and it was basically quoting from Amos, the prophet Amos, who prophesied about 700, 750 years before Christ ministered on the earth. So it was a, a strong prophecy from Amos. But remember, the church was not known in the Old Testament so the interesting thing I wanted you to see, because we're now gonna we're now gonna go to Amos in the Old Testament. Amos is one of the minor prophets 
So if you can find Ezekiel and then Daniel, and then you'll find Hosea and then Joel, and then the third book in uh, of those 12 minor prophets is the book of Amos in Amos chapter 9. And I want you to see this because this is Amos prophesying, obviously, about Israel. The church was not in view at all here. None of the prophets, when they prophesied, knew anything about the church. All they could see was the first coming of Christ and the second coming of Christ. Well, the church is in that, that, that time span between the first coming of Christ and the second coming of Christ. They had no knowledge of that. So if we look at Amos chapter 9, Amos chapter 9, and we want to start with verse 8. Amos chapter 9, verse 8, it says, Behold, the eyes of the Lord God are on the sinful kingdom, and I, this is God speaking, I will destroy it from the face of the earth. And of course, that sinful kingdom in the context here, Amos is prophesying about the Assyrians coming down and taking the ten northern tribes. Remember, the tribes split, the twelve tribes split when Solomon died. So in nine 922 B.C., the tribes split, 10 north and 2 south. And it's referring here to the Assyrians coming down and taking the 10 tribes away, and they have not come back as tribes as yet. They will, but not until the um, tribulation period. So again, uh, behold, the eyes of the Lord God are on the sinful kingdom, and I will destroy it from the face of the earth. Nevertheless... I will not totally destroy the house of Jacob. When he referred to Jacob, that's Jacob had his name changed to Israel. He was the father of the 12 tribes. So he says, I will not totally destroy all 12 tribes, declares the Lord. For behold, I am commanding and I will shake the house of Israel among all nations. Remember, they were scattered. Uh, effectively by 722 B.C. by the Assyrians. They were scattered among the nations. And I will shake the house of Israel among all nations as grain is shaken in a sieve, but not a kernel will fall to the ground. In other words, God's going to shake the world and he's going to separate all the Israelites out of the nations and he's going to bring them back to Israel and judge them. We find that in Ezekiel chapter 22. We're not going to go there now. But he says, I'm going to shake the nations, and I'm going to shake out everybody but the Jews, and I'm going to save all those Jews, and I'm going to bring them back. Verse 10, all the sinners of my people will die by the sword. Those who say the calamity will not overtake or confront us. And remember, we've talked about that. That is a clear description of Israel unbelieving Israel during the tribulation, the seven-year tribulation. And we find from Zechariah chapter 13, verse 9, that two-thirds of the Jews that God brings back for judgment at the end of the tribulation will die, and they will die by the sword. 11, in that day I will raise up the fallen booth of David and the wall and wall up its breaches. I will also raise up its ruins and rebuild it as in the days of old that they may possess the remnant of Edom and all the nations who were called by my name, declares the Lord who does this. So we're going to take this 8th century prophecy and we're going to compare it to a New Testament passage that 
includes the rapture in this. So we'll do that in our next program. Remember, if we don't talk again, I'll be seeing you in the air. Thank you for joining us on this edition of Exploring Bible Prophecy. Our special offer this month is Consider the Ant, Volume 1, The Basics. Consider the Ant is a biblically-based look at emergency preparedness. You'll be taken through the steps necessary to prepare yourself for the unexpected. This special DVD can be yours for only $20. To get your copy of Volume 1, The Basics from Consider the Ant, simply call us at 878-6279. That's 423-878-6279. Exploring Bible Prophecy is a production of WHCB. Learn more at whcbradio.org.